Hey guys, Pastor Tim Lucas from Liquid Church. I'm actually in Philadelphia, standing inside Eastern State Penitentiary, which is one of the world's oldest and most notorious prisons. Eastern State was built in 1829, and it remains one of the most intimidating lockups in prison history. Al Capone served time here in 1930, in fact, and there's been a lot of hard time served behind these bars. This is the perfect setting as we explore the book of Philippians, which is a letter written by the Apostle Paul from prison when he was literally locked up in chains. And we're about to discover an incredible truth. When life closes in on us and we wonder, where is God in the middle of everything? We discover God is in the chains. Philippians is funny because it's far and away the Bible's most joyful book. I mean, you don't expect somebody who's shackled and confined in a prison cell and actually awaiting a death sentence to feel joyful. And yet that's what Paul's letter from prison radiates, joy. In fact, that word joy or the concept of rejoicing is mentioned 16 times in just four chapters. Paul sums up his letter from prison with these words. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. How could Paul write those words from a place like this, from prison? I mean, if these walls could only talk. Eastern State is considered the world's first true penitentiary. That name, penitentiary, comes from the word penance, which means to regret or feel remorse for your sins. And the idea is that people who were thrown in prison here would actually open up to God through punishment. When he wrote this letter, Paul had his freedom stripped away, and he was suffering greatly. And yet, in spite of it all, he said, I will rejoice. I mean, how can you say those words when this is your reality? Can you really experience joy in hard times? Let's find out behind these walls. I am in chains for Christ. Because of my chains, I have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. It has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in Him, but also to suffer for Him. Whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. And I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. If you have a Bible and turn to Philippians, you'll see Paul actually wrote this letter from a prison in Rome. He was in prison for telling people about Jesus. And some friends of his from his church family in Philippi heard about it. Philippi was actually a Roman colony in northern Greece, and Paul founded a church there around 50 A.D., actually, during his second missionary journey. And they were concerned because Paul was in prison, and so he wrote this letter to them while he was awaiting trial from his cell. Check this out. This is what Paul writes in Philippians chapter 1. Look at verses 12 through 14. He says this, Now I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. As a result, it's become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Because of my chains, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. And to be perfectly honest, I have no idea what Paul's talking about. (laughs) 
I mean, I'm a Christian. I follow Jesus. I'm a pastor, for heaven's sake. But, but, but I'm an ordinary guy. And, and, and he sounds like some spiritual superman. I mean, it's hard to see the bright side when life closes in on you. Especially when you find yourself suffering in chains. Chains are a part of life. And, and we try to avoid suffering at all costs. But to deny that we're going to suffer or no conflict or hardship at some point in our life, it's... it's well, it's not, it's not being honest. It's actually cruel. Suffering is a part of life. Pain, conflict, we'll all know it at some point. Paul was probably in a small cell, maybe like the ones here in Eastern State. This penitentiary pioneered the use of solitary confinement in the 1800s. When prisoners checked in, they were given a King James Bible and nothing else. No human contact allowed, and many of them actually went mad. We don't know if Paul was beaten or if he was in solitary, but he was in a cell suffering all alone. That's when he wrote Philippians. Maybe you're not in a literal prison, but we all know what it's like to be chained to some form of suffering. I mean, I was talking with a guy in our church who has chronic back pain and it follows him along every hour of his life and he feels like he'll never escape it. Maybe you're chained to a chronic illness or a hospital bed and, and your life is a series of tests and scans and doctor appointments and, and you never break free. Or maybe you're chained to a relationship that you're struggling with. Maybe, maybe you feel like your marriage is struggling or you're, you're single and you struggle with loneliness. Some of us have relational chains. Some of us are, are feel the chains at work. Maybe you're chained to a desk at your work. You got a job that feels like a dead end. It's a crummy job, and you feel like actually unfulfilled, and you're never going to find something better. Or maybe you're chained to an addiction. You know exactly what it's like to feel like you'll never break free, you'll never escape, because you've got an addiction you can't lick, and you're going to be stuck in that prison forever. Or maybe you're in a prison financially. Maybe you lost your job and you're struggling with unemployment or, or, or foreclosure or bankruptcy and, and, and you've got a mountain of debt and you feel like you are chained to that debt for life. Whatever your chains are, whether they're relational or financial, emotional, vocational, whatever your chains are, one thing's for sure, we hate them. Why? Because they weigh us down and they restrict our freedom. And you know what? They remind us how little control we truly have over life. When pain touches our lives, it has a way of locking us up in a prison all its own. I'll never forget the day we learned my dad had cancer. Growing up, nothing happened in our family for like 30 years. There were no illnesses, no tragedies, no sudden deaths. I mean, we loved each other. We loved God and, and kind of had a hopeful outlook on life. But then about 10 years ago, my dad was diagnosed with, with cancer. And um, I'll never forget that day. It's something that uh, you can't prepare for that. It's like it kicks you right in the gut and it, and it knocks the wind out of you. I, I don't know what was worse the cancer or the treatment because all of a sudden life as we once knew it was hijacked and it became the series of appointments with the oncologist and scans and tests and, and chemo trips and it was pretty brutal. When we suffer our natural impulse is to say what has happened to me is wrong. You know, my dad did nothing wrong. 
He loved God. He was a faithful husband and and father. and, And it violates our sense of justice. What's happened to me is wrong. Or what has happened to me hurts. I don't know what's more painful. Watching someone you love suffer or actually being the one in pain. The good news is my dad's condition stabilized. He actually has lymphoma. It's the kind you can't cure. It's a chronic condition, but you learn to live with it. And God was with us during that process. I mean, he he got us through. You start learning how to take one day at a time, not in huge chunks as we were used to doing. But then last year, my dad was diagnosed with prostate cancer on top of everything else. And uh, this fall was one of the darkest seasons in in my family's life. My dad actually went into depression, and depression is a prison all its own. It's like a a deep, dark hole with no light. You can't see anything. I mean, faith seems far away, and it it was hard. I remember visiting my dad in the hospital, and he was like a shell of himself. I mean, this was a guy who we loved to talk baseball and laugh together and horse around. He was just flat. And I'll admit, we spent many nights praying, and my prayer was just this. Why? Why? God, my Father. The worst is when suffering seems pointless. I mean, we rage at God. Why? Why are you allowing this to happen to me? Sometimes our suffering can make us angry. And then on the other side of that is this, like, resignation that says, okay, maybe this is, maybe this is as good as it's going to get. Chains. I think suffering has a way of sobering us up. I mean, when Paul wrote this letter to the Philippians, he didn't know what would happen next. I mean, he might, he might be released and he might be executed. I mean, death was a very real possibility when, when he wrote this letter. And sitting in that cell, he must have struggled with loneliness and anxiety and, and fear and, and maybe felt like he was forgotten or, or might have become bitter. I mean, it would have been easy to do either of that. But look what he wrote here. Now, I want you to know, brothers... What's happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. As a result, it's become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Sometimes our circumstances seem random, and I think that's when it's hardest, when our suffering seems pointless or it has no no, no larger context. And yet Paul chose to interpret His circumstances very differently. I mean, look at this. In his cell, Paul was actually being watched by the Praetorian Guard. The Praetorian Guard were the elite Roman troops who lived in the palace of the Roman emperor. And Paul was actually chained to one of the guards. And for him, that was a sign from God that his suffering had a larger purpose. He figured, if I'm chained to this guy, talk about a captive audience. I mean, God must really want this soldier to know about Jesus through my suffering. And so Paul began to actually share the gospel with the prison guard. Imagine a prisoner telling the guards about freedom. I mean, there's more than a little irony here. And yet in the midst of this, Paul actually says, what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. There's a, there's a bigger context for what I'm going through. And When I hear that gospel, we all know gospel means good news. Maybe you didn't know that, but what good news is there in suffering? This is where it gets interesting because I'll tell you something. The way Christianity views suffering is what distinguishes it from every other world religion. I mean, uh, some Eastern religions say that pain is an illusion. It's not real. It's something we should transcend. 
But Christianity says just the opposite. Pain isn't something to minimize or or downplay because at the center of our faith is actually a cross. A cross is an execution device that was used in Rome for prisoners, for capital punishment. Christianity says that actually our faith rests on historical fact that one day God actually broke through into human history was unjustly accused, was put in chains, was led up a hill, and was executed between two common criminals. Capital punishment for an innocent man. That's what Christianity is founded on. So in some way, at the heart of the Christian faith, is a God who knows what it's like to, to suffer, to be in chains to endure the harshest that life has to throw at us. Prophet Isaiah actually describes Jesus this way. Check this out. Isaiah says, He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and familiar with what? Familiar with suffering. Like one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows. Yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him, and afflicted. You know what that means? That means that Jesus can relate to whatever it is you're going through. I I don't know what you're going through, but more than that, Jesus' suffering was not pointless, but actually had a, a larger purpose in God's story. On that cross, we're told, his suffering not only paid for our sins, but it purchased our salvation, not just now, but for eternity. Jesus chose the chains out of love, and he did it voluntarily so that our suffering would be temporary, and eternally we could escape pain and suffering forever. You aren't in chains by chance. God knew that this would happen to you. And Jesus can relate to whatever it is you're going through. In fact, he promises to use your pain for an eternal purpose if you'll let him. Paul said, I'm in chains for Christ. I think a lot of people would have become bitter and just gave up, quite honestly. But Paul said, this is an opportunity. This is a chance for people to see Christ reflected in my response to suffering. When we suffer, others are watching. I mean, the whole palace guard was watching Paul. My question is, who's watching you? Each of the cells here at Eastern State was designed with an overhead skylight in the ceiling because the architects thought it would remind prisoners that God was watching them. And you know what? I think he was on to something because the Bible says that God sees whatever you are going through. Every tear, every cry, every groan and and muffled sigh. God knows. God sees. During my dad's depression, there were days we wondered if God even noticed. And and, and, I mean, progress was painstakingly slow. There was no miracle cure. And there were days I couldn't even pray because things were still so raw. You might feel what the world calls hopeless, But through the eye of God, he has a different name for it. God calls it surrender. 
in that moment of surrender, that moment we had to decide if our faith was going to be dictated by our circumstances or if we were going to trust God in spite of the chains. That, that was one of the hardest decisions we've ever had to come to, to actually release my father to God, my earthly father, to my heavenly father. To say that whether my father lives or he dies or he disappears into disease, that God is still good because he's watching. And Jesus can relate. That he can relate to whatever we're going through and, and, and we're not forgotten. And new life is promised us, whether here on earth or eternity in heaven. Pain has a way of revealing just how much stock I think we put in our circumstances as a source of happiness. I think, I think that's what Paul's getting at. Happiness depends on happenings. But joy depends on Christ. I mean, happiness is a, is a feeling. It's just an emotion. But joy runs deeper. It's like a fixture in the soul. It's, it's a way of getting through life and surviving through the darkest times. In our family, we, we pressed into Christ as never before. We, we leaned into him. And in spite of the darkness that was around us, we believed God was watching just as he watched his son Jesus suffer on a cross in our place. And God wasn't just watching in some detached or removed way. In a very real way, God was closer than ever. God was, was in the chains. Paul insists that the gospel doesn't just survive, but that actually thrives in hardship. I mean, after we surrendered my earthly father, actually over to my heavenly father, it was days, it was weeks, it was, it was months before God actually began drawing my dad out of his disease and his depression. And hope began sprouting, just a little bit of light, lifting that veil of gloom. I'll never forget that moment. The, the moment my mom and my brother and I felt like we saw God give me my dad back. I will never forget that moment. It, 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 I think it felt something like the psalmist when he wrote this in Psalm 107. Listen. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them from their distress. He brought them out of darkness and the deepest gloom and broke away their chains. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for men, for he breaks down gates of bronze and cuts through bars of iron. Joy comes through suffering, not in spite of it, but through it. Joy. I mean, that's, there's really no other word for what we experienced with my dad. Uh, joy, not happiness. happiness. Happiness depends on happenings. But what happens when, when your loved one doesn't recover, or the marriage fails, or the money runs out, or your work or your health Tank. No, 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 no. Paul's saying joy runs deeper and truer than mere happiness. Joy is what a new mom feels when she's about to give birth. I mean, she goes through excruciating pain and it's like this whole thing is going to swallow her up. But then all of a sudden, the pain itself is swallowed up when she sees the face of her, of her newborn baby. It's, just, it's, it's joy. That's how it felt to have my dad back. It's the quiet confidence that God's love 
is there and he's still working in our life even when we can't see it. Maybe especially when we can't see it. That's, that's joy. Joy is the knowledge that he'll be there for us no matter what life throws at us. Even when life weighs heaviest on us, joy is knowing that God, our God, is in the chains. In verse 29 of Philippians 1, Paul writes this. He says, For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ not only to believe on him, but also to what? To suffer for him. I understand it may be hard to see and it may not feel this way, but in some way, Paul's suggesting that these chains are a gift. And I get it. You can't, you can't see it. You may not feel it. But Paul's saying these may be one of God's gifts because it's one of the ways that he uses to forge the character of Christ at the deeper places of our soul. Let's be honest. I mean, suffering is a gift that nobody wants or asks for. But it can be a gift nonetheless, maybe a, one of God's darker gifts. I mean, think of Paul. Because Paul suffered well, suffered in the name of Jesus, he was able to share the truth of God, the grace of God, in the midst of suffering with the entire Roman guard. That was 9,000 soldiers. And you know what? It stirred something in other people who saw him suffering well. Paul writes this, Because of my chains, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. When we believe that there's a purpose to our suffering, it stirs something in others, a boldness, a freedom, a courage. Because when everything is stripped away from our life, it reveals everything we were leaning on for happiness was was actually an illusion. And all we ever had all along was Jesus. As those men watched Paul lean into Christ day after day after day, they believed. And I'll admit, this is the deeper, darker side of Christianity that few want to hear about. But mark this. God is not outside of your suffering. God is in the chains. We all want Easter, but what's Easter without Good Friday? In God's economy... Chains always seem to precede a change of heart. Paul says in a similar way, it has been granted unto you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for him. My question is, do you really want in? Do you really want a faith that says God, my God, your God is in the chains, in the pain, in your suffering? I mean, our faith is founded on the fact of suffering and redemption, and that's what it exists for. As G.K. Chesterton famously said, the problem with Christianity isn't that it's been tried and found wanting. Rather, it's been found difficult and left untried. Again, I don't know what you're struggling with or how you see these chains, but these chains could be an opportunity for you. They could be the thing that weigh you down and take you under and rob all your hope. Or they could be the very thing that drive you deep, deeper into the reality of the risen Christ in your life. How do you see these? Because he had watched his God suffer, Jesus Christ on the cross, Paul said, there's a nobility in my suffering too. And although these chains are heavy, they are light and momentary in the light of eternity. 
And he's not minimizing it, but Paul began seeing his suffering as an opportunity. That was his secret. And in a similar way, Scripture invites us to look at our suffering through that unusual lens. The Apostle James writes this, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Notice James doesn't say if we face troubles. He says when you face troubles. In other words, no one's immune from heartache. We're all going to face pain at some point. But the deal is, God doesn't say, pretend to be happy. Put on a smiley face. Or pretend like it doesn't hurt. No, not at all. It invites us to view our pain through a different lens, through the, through the eye of God himself. And consider it pure joy because of what the chains produce in us. James writes, Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Whatever you're going through, your pain isn't pointless. In Christ, it has deep purpose. We learn to persevere and trust in Christ alone as never before. And you know what? We grow. We grow deeper. I've heard it said, Christians are like nails. The harder you hit them, the deeper they go. I don't know what life has hit you with recently, but let it drive you deep, deep into Christ. Don't waste your chains. Rejoice, Paul says, not in the pain of your struggle, but in the depth that it brings. Remember, happiness depends on happenings, but joy depends on Christ alone. I will continue to rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help given by the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Thank you.